Christians have a tendency to overlook and it's important to note because it's something that we have to adopt if we look to be if we are looking to be more effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ I welcome each and every one of you to this new edition of the ATA podcast absolute truth absolutely once again presenting this edition's subject matter for our audience is your host in Jesus Christ Gio I hearken to the narrative that we find in the gospels of Jesus being confronted by the religious leaders of the time in which he ministered over the woman that was caught in adultery. That is a very, very interesting narrative for various reasons. Chief among them is how Jesus is able to very quickly do two things, uh, as it were, kill two birds with one stone. What do I mean by this? You'll note that there was a plot to try to trap Jesus uh, with the response that they were looking to uh, elicit from him in particular. Now, a small side note here, if you really think about it, knowing human nature, sanctimony and religious zealotry are among the things that men, we men can use in order to disguise our own flaws and our own secret sins. And I ask you to consider with me that the people whom were trying to capture this woman, whom they caught in the very act of adultery, I don't think it would be a far-fetched thing to imagine that a few of those people were in fact trying to get their kicks, as it were, from what they were seeing and hearing. If anyone thinks I'm wrong on the matter, then I guess we would have to have a debate about human nature in and of itself, but it's not difficult to imagine that this is the case. I hearken to prove my point in this issue to something that was reported a couple of days ago. There was a reporter that uh, was pretty popular, I think, if my mind doesn't fail me, that this guy worked for CNN. And he was one of the people whom denounced the movie Sound of Freedom, only to be arrested weeks later for having child pornography on his laptop. So again, this proves, as it were, my point in that we extend, as it were, certain considerations to the biblical narrative that gives us a more complete picture of what the Bible is trying to tell us of the fact. But that's just a small side note. So we find that these men... They take this woman whom is captured, as it were, in the very act of adultery, which one has to ask oneself as well. What was the man in all of this? Because as it were, it takes two to tango. They bring her before Jesus, and they're ready to stone her. And in essence, they say to him, the law of Moses says that if this woman were to be caught in the very act as we have caught her, then she should be stoned. What say you? Jesus is obviously writing something on the ground with his finger there are people by the way whom have said that they knew or they know what jesus was writing even though the gospels do not give you any indication of what he was writing with his finger on the uh, ground and immediately jesus turns and says he who is without sin cast the first stone now this brought obviously conviction to these people and they had to drop the stones and leave and then jesus asks rhetorically uh, to this woman whom was captured in her sinfulness where are the men that accuse you and she answers, they're nowhere. And he says, well, neither do I convict you. But curiously enough, Jesus says, go and sin no more. Now, the two birds that he's killed with this one stone here are the fact that he admonishes, 
he castigates verbally those that, as we said before, use religious zealotry as a cover or sanctimony in order to disguise their own sinful predilections, whilst at the same time telling the person that already knows that they're engaging in sinfulness that they ought not do it anymore. And this serves as a lesson unto each and every one of us believers. Why? I think that we as Christians, we have a tendency to necessarily be very quick, as it were, to use our verbal tongue lashings against uh, people so as to demonstrate our Christian bona fides, when in fact what we're trying to do is to minister effectively to the minds and hearts of those that we want to see transformed via the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know what some may be thinking. There are those who say, so shouldn't we have a straight word? Shouldn't we have a plain, direct word towards people about sinfulness, about righteousness? And I'm not renouncing any of that. I think that is important. But what I am specifically pointing out is our tendency, and I include myself in this because this is a deficiency that I have to work with in myself. And it's not just something that I've seen in myself, but other Christians, we have this tendency because it has been inculcated in us by various institutions and people throughout the year, where throughout the years that we basically, at our own peril, ignore our flaws. I mean, the Bible itself tells us that let he who thinks he stands fast take heed lest he fall. Paul gives you that very advice because the tendency for people whom are saved is to think, well, I, I guess I'm done and I'm so perfect that I can go about, as it were, and just verbally whiplash people into accepting the truth and, and living in a certain way when the fact of the matter is, is that someone or people had to show us grace in particular, and that was part of the transformative process as we were introduced, as it were, into the body of Christ, and that brought about changes, and we forget people had to show us compassion, people had to show us grace, people had to show us mercy. We see the same thing, by the way, in what Paul writes to the Corinthians. You see that there's a stark contrast between the first and the second letter. In the first letter, he's having to admonish these people because they were exalting the fact that they had a man in their midst whom was sleeping with his stepmother, and they were either, I guess, glorifying it in a sense. And he had to shame them for this. And then in the second letter, we see that the Corinthians had gone to the other extreme where it appears as if this man had repented over what he did, and they were unwilling to bring him back into the fold. And Paul says, no, 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 if he's doing if he's doing the right thing, if he is producing fruits uh, that are coming forth from repentance, then make him bring him back into the fold, show mercy, show compassion, and show, and show grace. Because one of the things that does tend to happen is we do have a tendency as believers to be sanctimonious about what we believe, about how we believe, et cetera, et cetera. We have that tendency within us. Now, I know what the question is going to be, from the audience. Well, Gio, what is the way, as it were? What is the way forward with this? And I believe that Jesus gives us the response in all of this. Let me say this before I continue. It's important to note that when you say the truth for the sake of the person you're speaking to, that in and of itself is a loving act. I've said that before, and I'll continue to stand by that because that is the biblical principle of the matter. But sometimes we have to be very careful in the way that we state certain things because of the way that it does come across. I'm not saying in particular that we have to appease, as it were, those who misinterpret everything because let's face it, there are sob stories in our midst and there are people who become offended at absolutely everything and it doesn't matter how you say things, 
that they would necessarily become offended at anything because they just don't want to be confronted with the truth. And in that case, I think what's best in those instances is just to continue to speak, to speak the plain truth and to continue to pray for those people. That's a fact of the matter. It's, it's, that's unavoidable. Again, that's part of the human experience. But for example, what I'm trying to say here is that we ought to be a bit wiser in the way that we respond, especially when we don't take into consideration the people that we're speaking to. For example, if you have family members, co-workers, or other people who are in your orbit, and you necessarily know what their tendencies are, their thoughts are, their inclinations are, you should be able to think beforehand about what is the best way, the best way to speak to these people, the words to use to these people in order to more effectively be a proper minister of the gospel to these people. That's part of the thoughtfulness that should characterize Christians. But what is it that we've been taught throughout the years by ministries and organizations and other people? Well, the best thing to do is just to get into their face and scream at them. And I mean, we all know because we ourselves don't like to be screamed at. We don't want to be infantilized, as it were. And we find that offensive when people treat us in this manner. Well, now put yourself in the shoes of the person that you're trying to minister to. If this is the way that you respond constantly, this is going to be a problem. So this is my point that we have to be a bit more thoughtful in the way that we respond, lest it be that we ourselves are the impediment for those people to be ministered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if you think about it, when we look about Christ, whom is our model for all of these things, Jesus, there were points where he had to be straight to the point and he responded in anger and righteous anger. But there were also many instances where Jesus used a soft word as it were, not effeminate, that has to be stated adequately, not not an effeminate word, but he used the word seasoned as it were with salt so as to reach as it were the person's heart and the person's mind. I mean, the Bible tells us this throughout the Old Testament. For example, we read in some of the poetic books that a soft reply will necessarily vanquish anger, among other things. So if we are wise, if we are, I guess the call during this edition is to inform each and every one of us that what we need to do is first we need to depose any level of sanctimony, any level of uh, religious zealotry that tends to hide our own deficiencies. That's something that we need to dispose of rather quickly because it does not befit us. That gives space for judgmentalism and things of that nature, which again, they're not befitting a Christian. Remember, we are fallen beings in need of a savior. And if other Christians can't seem to accept that, then I would encourage you as a believer to stop living for the opinions of other believers who they themselves are also flawed. And this was also something that needs to be pointed out to these people because the fact of the matter is, is that they suffer from the very same thing too. These pretensions, we need to do away with them. That would be the first step. The second step, once we become comfortable as it were in our own Christian skin, that's important also, is to understand that we have to use wisdom in the way that we are ministering to others, whether it be our children, whether it be our parents, whether it be our family members, whether it be co-workers or strangers on the street. We have to be very smart in the way that we approach these people. I Notice that I did not say, and I'm not using the word smart as a euphemism for ambiguous speech. That's not at all what I'm saying. You still speak the truth. You still speak the truth plainly but you make sure that you use the adequate words. You make sure that you use the adequate tone, depending as it were on that situation, depending as it were as whom uh, whom you're speaking to. And in that wisdom, once you deploy it, you'll notice 
as I've noticed it in my life, as I'm sure other people have noticed it in their lives, when you're much wiser in the way that you deploy, as it were, this ministering, using what the Bible tells us to use to minister more effectively, then that would render us, as it were, more responsible heralds of what God has entrusted unto us. Because again, there are many attitudes and ideas that Christians have adopted throughout the years that when you really think about it, you have to ask yourself, why was this the attitude that was inculcated? Why was this the way that it was told to me that it was when you don't really see the the effects, as it were. You don't see the evidence of that actually leading into improvement. Now, I know what some will say. Some will say, well, for me, it was this way, and the other person will say, for me, it was that way, and it worked out perfectly fine. Well, good for you. <laughs> it worked out for you in that way, but the other person is not you. You're not the other person. Remember, the gospel reaches every single person. The gospel is the intent is to reach every single person, but the Bible does tell us that there are wise, wise, wise ways to approach these things and that the Christian has to be thoughtful about the way that he ministers. Again, I'll end this by hearkening back to what I mentioned earlier about Jesus and the woman that was caught in adultery. Consider all of the things of that narrative and now Jesus once again was able to kill two birds with one stone and with just simple pronunciations. He was able to convict of, as it were, sinfulness of those who were ready to cast the stones with sanctimony and religious zealotry whilst also convicting the woman that was also caught in adultery because he says to her, go and sin no more. I think, as it were, it helps if we Christians just drop these pretensions and just be comfortable in our own Christian skin and stop living for the opinions, as it were, of other Christians and start living for the opinion, as it were, of our Creator. Once you start doing that, there will be a weight taken off of your shoulders and you'll be much more sincere in every aspect of your existence. Plus, you will also be wiser in the way that you, the words that you use, the times that you'll pick to speak to people about certain things, and you'll notice that your effectiveness as a herald for the gospel of Jesus Christ will be much more on point. It'll be much more effective because you're imitating Jesus's example in the matter. I hope that this helps you understand uh, how, as it were, to further deploy uh, Jesus' likeness in your existence and would make you, this would help you to become a more faithful witness of Jesus Christ and of his holy gospel. That's what I have for you on this edition of the podcast. I thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember to subscribe to our email list through our website, atapodcast.org. We won't bombard, as it were, your inbox with uh, uh, advertisements or how is it that the British say advertisements <laughs> we won't bombard that we won't share it with third parties it's just to alert you as to when we post new content on the website follow our channel on telegram uh, the username is ATA truth ATA truth and please let others know about the existence of this podcast so that others may hear the truth in this world full of uncertainty and lastly if you're listening to this podcast through the iTunes podcast app or the apple podcast app we would ask you to give us the five-star review so that the algorithms were to pick it up and they would disseminate it to other people as well thank you very much for listening until the next occasion that we meet may the lord shine his face upon you